Welcome everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built. And we are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you find it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at LonghornPod on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, The Longhorn Republic. And you can shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who can't watch enough softball, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? You know, I've never, I've never been shy or hidden the fact that I am a fan of the game of softball. I like it better when UT is uh, is playing in it. Uh, but uh, this has been, this has been good. We'll talk some baseball, of course, but it's been some high level play over on ESPN uh, of, of the other diamond as well. And, and folks should heed any advice on this podcast. You see every piece of advice on this podcast, of course. But if you heed any advice, uh, watch some softball. There's some really good stuff being played. We don't have a vote, but Kyle and I are both saying that Odyssey Alexander should be the most outstanding player of the Women's College World Series. There, we said it. <laughs> She's not going to play in the championship game, and that's fine. But... For her contributions to both the game and to our enjoyment of watching these last three weeks, it's been great. But we're obviously not here to talk about the softball tournament because Texas is in it. But we are here to talk about the baseball tournament that Texas is very much in, had very little trouble in the regional as they cruise through that. We'll also kick off, I can't believe it's this time of the year, our Texas schedule previews. We've got... Louisiana Raging Cajuns on the schedule today. So we've got uh, a friend from Underdog Dynasty and the Raging Review on to help us out with that. We'll obviously down the 40 and we'll bang the drum. And because we're only doing two, we're doing two shows this week, uh, we're going to kick the Burn Orange Legends of Godzilla Tron over to Thursday. That's right. You'll get two shows this week. We've got a special one for you. We'll talk to you about it at the end. But Texas did what the top, the second ranked team in the tournament should do in the regional and they went ahead and just cruised on to the Super Regional round, outscoring their opponents 33-5 to in the Regional round, including a shutout over Southern, a 10-3, just that, that was like a, a crock-potting almost. <laughs> it just felt like it slowly built and slowly built. And it was like, oh, they put up 10 runs. And then Fairfield was just not not there, and they beat Fairfield 12-2. to um, And Pete Hansen had a... Heck of an outing on Sunday. So, Kyle, as we really, I think the focus has to be when we think about the the region around overall, whether it was Tristan Stevens, Ty Madden, or Pete Hansen, all three of those guys really had an incredible weekend, and, and two of the three ended up on the all tournament team. Yeah, I mean, I, I think sometimes we take for granted just how good uh, Texas's arms are across the board. I mean, not even to talk about. Quintanilla or Wit coming out of the bullpen, um, but I mean, just there aren't many teams in the country. There may not, in fact, be any teams in the country with as good a one-two-three as Texas has right now. And again, you could argue: is there a better one than Ty Madden? Is there a better two than Tristan Stevens? Uh, I don't think there's a better three than Pistol Pete. But is there a better one-two-three combined? You know, it, it's hard. It's hard to get three guys who could be day one starters and, and have that mentality and go win a game and, and just dominate uh, an opponent. And, and Texas has has three of them, and, and they 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 all showed up. And this. Just to, to give kind of a macro view, this was as 
about as comprehensive a, a a tail kicking in a regional as I maybe have ever seen. And there have been good teams with teams that were undermatched against them in regionals in the past, both at Texas and other schools. And I just I don't know that there has ever been less drama in, in a regional that I've seen. It just never felt in any of these games like there was ever a threat or a doubt uh, that the University of Texas was winning those games. Um, and credit to them for that, for sure. Um, and, and credit to those teams showing up and, and trying their hardest. But, um, yeah, Texas left no doubt. They didn't make it interesting, and I appreciate that. Um, they, you know, they they got their leads. They scored their runs. They slammed the door shut with, with good, you know, late innings relief pitching, and they just kind of – Top to bottom, they 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 dominated. They did it all, and and I'll just say this, this is the only thing I'll, I'll I'll comment on it is that for the folks who were kind of belly aching or allowed rival fans on social media to get in your heads about ooh Texas maybe not you know good at the end of the season maybe not as good as their ranking because uh, they didn't do you know the 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 Big Twelve tournament like other teams did. Texas is moving on to the super regional. Some of those other teams are watching Texas in, in, in said super regional. If you, if you need it to get into the dance, you take that tournament seriously. If you're already locked up like Texas was, it looks like they did exactly what they were supposed to. Absolutely. And I think Augie is smiling down on us for two reasons. One, because I think Texas was like, we're not going to go all out at the big 12 tournament. And, and that was always the Augie thing. It's like, when, when Texas has a seed locked up, when they've got a regional, probably a super regional locked up, why throw your arms out there and get them tired when you can, you know, have them not put their best stuff out there? And I'm not saying that they threw a game or anything. I'm just saying, like, Texas didn't need to press in the Big 12 tournament to get where they needed. They actually got a higher seed than most of us thought in spite of that performance. And so the thing that was impressive to me the most, I think, was that, like, Texas feels like it's peaking where you know Ivan Melendez had a little bit of a cold streak in the Big 12 tournament and absolutely ended that in the first game with a with a solo home run in, in the first inning I think of that uh that game against Southern just blasted a ball um and so like the pitching is finding its stride Pete Hansen again I mentioned it had the best outing of his career 13 strikeouts one earned run walked not a single batter no walks in that game so like Hansen and Pete Hansen is the guy and you mentioned it that kind of gets overlooked a little bit on this pitching staff because he's not and they talked about this in the broadcast he's not the guy that's going to blow you off the plate with his fastball but he's the guy that could paint the corners and he's the guy that's got a ball that's got a lot of movement to it he's got a guy he's a guy who can paint the corners and place it where he wants to place it and when he is doing that at his best he's he's a guy who's a secret weapon especially again when you think about the super regional format if texas has to go to its day three starter having a guy like pete hansen that really was on the cusp of putting up a goose egg and then just had a weird couple of at-bats, like, that's a secret weapon for Texas. That's a guy who, again, in a in a game two, if you need a middle relief guy, if you need a guy to come in and, and pitch three or four innings to really carry you to being able to get the 2-0 sweep, he's a guy that, that really will be a secret weapon for, for Texas. And like I mentioned, he was recognized as part of that all-tournament team for his efforts. Yeah, and, and 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 you you say a guy's not going to blow stuff by. You say that to the left-handed hitters, uh, you know, from from Fairfield who who had to. I just felt bad try to uh, handle that slider. I mean, you're right; it wasn't the heater, but that slider. His fastball looked as good as it has all year, but that slider just. I mean, 
grown, you know, collegiate baseball players who, who are paid to attend university because they're good at baseball just looked like, you know, toddlers out there swinging at some of those sliders, just embarrassing folks. I felt for a moment slightly bad for them. But, uh, yeah, all three games, all three great domination. Antico had four stolen bases in that Fairfield game. Zubia hit one just jacked off the batter's eye in dead center, um, which, by the way, the broadcasters didn't realize was a homer that changed uh, – two years ago last year anyways um you know uh cam williams got one going when he gets a hold of the ball just crushes it i thought faltini um has been good you know swinging the bat since the tcu fan tackled him into uh into his peak form so thanks again horn frogs uh for your contribution to to our season um but uh yeah i mean there's there's a lot a lot a lot a lot to like um coming out of this and and we'll we'll, we'll talk about the other side of the bracket and where they go in the super regional in, in, in a moment. Um, but that couldn't have gone any more perfectly. They're set up well with the run in and, and the stars are aligning right now for one of those special runs. And, and we'll see how it goes to Omaha. We we've said Texas is notoriously better at home than, than on the road. And especially actually this year at neutral sites. So uh, that doesn't bode well for Omaha, but if you're playing this good, I don't care where you put that team. That's a uh, that's a, a team that wants to play or, or is proving that they deserve to have a conversation for the national championship. Texas, again, like we said, is, is really finding its stride and peaking. Ten of the 12 all-tournament teams, and now granted, usually the team that wins is full of the best players, but ten of 12, including four unanimous selections uh, to the all-tournament team, including uh, the MVP and all tournament first baseman Zach Zubia, unanimous decision there. Uh, Daly at second, Williams, a unanimous selection at third base, Faltini. Uh, at shortstop, Antico and Hodo, both unanimous selections in the outfield. Uh, the Titanic, Melendez, was a the all tournament DH. And then both Hanson and Tristan Stevens were the all tournament pitching staff. They were uh, the two of the two pitchers that were selected. And then the, the catcher, who he was the all tournament team catcher but he had some struggles on <laughs> sunday and was lobbing the ball back and got caught slipping a couple times that's fine but him and mike handle from fairfield were uh, were the other two not named but because of texas's performance and what happened in the the shocker really in the the, the florida region florida got bounced early the second team i think uh, and they would have been the first team bounced but they got a rain delay that <laughs> that saved them that embarrassment Se- second team bounced from the tournament uh they're gonna take on south florida this weekend in Austin for the Super Regional. South Florida, not a pushover. Battle of the Hookums, Battle of the Charlie Strongs. But it's going to be, again, the 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 Bulls are a tough a tough draw for Texas. That Florida region was was a pretty uh, pretty nasty one. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, look, I, I thought Miami would be the one knocking uh, Florida out. They had their number all year, but it just looked like – look, I – I am willing to admit when I was wrong. This is probably the second or maybe even third time on this podcast that you know I, it's ever happened. But uh, I, I was wrong. I really thought I said, "Man, Texas has a, a tough draw." You know, a good Miami team and a two seed. Obviously, Florida was the preseason number one. You know, that's a tough team to uh, you know. You get the two seed. You hope you have a, an easier second. You know, uh, round with super regional. Just kind of assume they they might make it through. I, I thought you know USA our, our South Alabama team was a little underseated but didn't necessarily think they were there to 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 you know mess the whole thing up and, and you know then south florida comes out of there and 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 is the team coming out um i i, I misread that one i did um this actually again we'll see you it, it, it's it's 
it's postseason college baseball. Omaha is difficult. Being a Texas fan, you don't realize that. So difficult to get to. I mean, you do remember the te- all we had to do was beat Tennessee Tech, and and you know they were a very very good team who could crush the ball that year, um, and, and didn't do it. But uh, you know it, it, it's difficult to do for most teams every year. Uh, anything can happen in postseason college base- baseball. You know we joked uh, TCU Oklahoma State uh, both sent home um, as as you know top seeds. Obviously uh, Florida. I mean it's just it's tough. That's what makes what Texas did all the more impressive. But nonetheless, if you had to draw it up. Uh, South Florida being the team instead of the the talent level, at least that Florida uh, would have. Um, this is Texas is going to have between their their first three games and their fourth game here uh, against, or their I guess their games against South Florida. Um, the the one of the better maps you could have drawn up to Omaha. And then one of the more favorable routes. Uh, you know, doesn't mean it's a lock. Doesn't mean it's guaranteed. But the stars align pretty well, all told, for the Longhorns. Florida getting trounced was not something that we anticipated seeing. You don't, you never anticipate the nineteen to one elimination game for the Florida Gators. But this weekend, it's happening, and they'll take with them Ty Madden, the again probably Saturday two starter uh, for them. He was named a Second Team All American this year, uh, Big Twelve Conference Pitcher of the Year. Um, he led the league with. This is a ridiculously small number, a 195 uh, opponent batting average. So it's good to have a guy like that in your bullpen as you uh, look to punch your ticket. And the craziest thing, Gerald, I I double-checked this stat. I didn't believe it. He's actually the first uh, Big 12 pitcher of the year since Taylor Youngman in 2011. So glad to see after a decade Texas righted some some things there with with Madden. Uh, The whole staff, you saw the other two were the all-tournament team. with a regional, so just good arms. Um, but you know, Madden, the arms that that we talked about, the whole team is there's a, there's a reason uh, that that they're winning these awards. They they're they're earning it. But I just wanted to point out, as we all expected, Gerald, the three teams from the state of Texas will be moving on to the supers. We all knew Texas would be there. Texas Tech, congrats to them. As we all expected, a team from the DFW area would be advancing. It wasn't TCU. It was Dallas Baptist. I take no. I'm not going to say I take no joy. Mm. I take lots of joy in the that sentence. That that didn't. That was not like vinegar leaving my mouth. That was like sweet honey rolling off my lips. Uh, good luck to Dallas Baptist as the third team from Texas advancing to the Supers. I'm as excited about that as I am. As the Dallas Baptist batter who almost got tossed for celebrating a home run after sending one out of the park. That's how excited I am. I can't believe it's this time of the year, but we are a mere 13 weeks away from kickoff, which, come on, football can't get here fast enough. But it is also the time for us to start our annual preview series. And, well, what better way to kick it off than with the kickoff of the season? So we've got our friend from Underdog Dynasty and the Ragin Review Podcast, Matt Miguez, to help us preview the Louisiana, not Lafayette anymore, Ragin Cajuns. Matt, how are you doing today, brother? I'm good, man, guys. Thank you for having me, and uh, kudos on on not putting the Lafayette on the end. We've we come from Texas. We're close enough. We're neighbors. We we've been saying ooh la la for a long time. I think it is the best acronym in sports. I hate to see that go, but it is it is uh there is a certain prestige and clout that comes with paying Louisiana. You know, you're we're Texas. You're Louisiana. That's uh I, I like where it's going. I, I like where it's going. 
Yeah, and and you know we we we've kind of upset some some schools, especially you know Big Brother on the other side of the Atchafalaya <laughs> Basin. Uh, they, they they don't like the fact that we took the Lafayette down, but uh, you know it, it's one of those things that the more success you have, the more right you have to kind of change things up a little <laughs> bit. And uh, our athletic program has been very successful over the last couple of years in, in all sports, so we we felt it was time to to rebrand ourselves. And that's exactly what we did. I love it. And you're talking to two guys from central Texas who experienced the Southwest Texas state to Texas state transition. So we know all too well about what that transition happened. So what we're going to do, if you're new to our podcast is we're going to get people on that actually know what the heck they're talking about. Why listen to Kyle and I preview a team that we know marginally at best. So we reach out to the experts. And so Matt is going to help us kick it off this week and help us preview the raging Cajuns ahead uh, of the off season and ahead of the season kickoff uh, matchup. And so because we always start with quarterbacks on Big 12 conversations, because, well, that's the Big 12. I wanted to start a little bit different. Um, the Raging Cajuns last year had a had a dynamic duo at running back um, with Elijah Mitchell and, and Trey Rag- Ragus, if I'm saying that right. Ragus? Ragus. Ragus. Ah, there are, two, there are three some, options, put, and I picked both wrong Put ones. some Southern Louisiana Cajun in your, in your tone here, Gerald. Come on. Regis, uh, both of them took their talents to the NFL after really solid performances. Think combined for what almost 1,700 yards and double-digit touchdowns. But that was a big part of the of the Raging Cajuns' offensive identity last year. And so, what what are they going to do, or who's going to step in to kind of fill that hole that's that's there? You, you know, man, we're we're pulling an Alabama this year. We're reloading at running back. Um, okay. You know, you, you look at you look at the roster. You got a kid like Jacob Jacoby, Kabodi. I'm sorry, he's a transfer from uh, Texas A&M. So you guys might oh. be familiar. You might be familiar with him. Uh, Chris Smith was on our team for the last two years. He's kind of been our speedy, elusive, you know, catch the ball out of the backfield kind of guy. Uh, so he'll do more of the same this year. Amani Bailey played some reserve minutes last year. He's a big bruiser. Reminds me a lot of Trey Regis. Uh, I think I think he'll play a similar role there. And then another kid to look out for, and I'm drawing a blank on his – I want to say it's Michael Williams. He's the running back from De La Salle High School right outside of New Orleans. He had 175 yards in their state championship game. Nice. He had 175 yards and a loss. <laughs> um. So, you know, I, I think he can step up early on and, and contribute to this team. Michael Orphy Jr. from Alexandria is another kid that played in reserve minutes last year. That can uh, that can really step up, break away into the second level. So, you know, obviously losing a guy like Trey Regis and Elijah Mitchell, you know, changes everything for for your offense. But in those situations where instead of instead of rebuilding, I think we're more reloading. Uh, any any time you can begin any answer to any question with we're pulling in Alabama. Um, it, it, it's a good time. Texas tried it too with our head coach, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's the right uh, measuring stick. So I like that. Um, it sounds like there's going to be probably a lot of names that Texas fans will, uh, will, will learn by the end of the game. Maybe not a, a one single replacement, but keep, uh, keep multiple guys getting the, 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 the ball. But there is one position that we are sure of coming back for a, a fifth year. No question mark. Uh, at the quarterback position, Levi Lewis opting to return uh, for another year after passing for you know uh, 19 touchdowns and, and 20 over 2,200 yards uh, last year. Also, could do a little bit on the ground. It seems like five touchdowns there. Um, what I mean, that much experience coming back with the super senior. 
how high are the expectations for him again as you're 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 reloading but adding in new players nonetheless at running back uh how big of a role is is levi lewis gonna play i mean no question he's he's the leader of this team um you know from day one his freshman year when he stepped on campus he had a he's had a leadership ability and a leadership potential and you know it's interesting we're calling him a super senior but he should really be a super junior you know if you you look if you look back at, at the beginning of his career at louisiana his red he redshirted as a freshman, and his red shirt was burned with four games left in the year because we had one quarterback that was injured, we had one quarterback that wasn't playing well, and Mark Hudspeth was trying to save his job. And so he burned Levi Lewis's red shirt. You know this big talented freshman. He was the Gatorade High School Player of the Year in Louisiana his senior year. So he tried to pull out all the stops to save his job. Levi performed okay because i mean how, how do you expect a freshman who's been redshirted all year to just step on the four games to go and and ball out i mean that's just not going to happen so you know that that ended up backfiring but due to covid he was able to come back so it ends up being his it's going to be his fourth season under billy napier and it's going to be his third full season as a starter so i mean the expectations and, and you know i hate to do this to anybody especially the expectations are sky high and i think levi's levi's a guy that that can meet those expectations, and I think he'll do a lot of things well for us. But another thing that the the Cajuns have as an advantage for them, and, and I'm sure Levi Lewis is excited about this, is that they return all five of the offensive line starters from a year ago. Um, and that that's a unit that was number five, I think, in tackles for loss, one of the most efficient and effective units in the country, regardless of conference or level. And so, like, what do they do to make themselves as effective as they are? And uh, how do you see them taking a step forward in, in 2021? Well, you know, the thing I love about Billy Napier is that he recruits guys that are ready to play. So the thing is, is he can plug in, he can plug and play his freshmen and his young sophomores to where guys never get tired. You know, you, you constantly see us in every position on the field, except for basically except for quarterback. We're constantly swapping guys in and out. Uh, so I mean, the you know, Osiris Torrance, Shane Vallow, uh, Carlos Rubio, Ken Marks, Tarrington, Max Chul, Luke Junkick, Logan Newell. I mean, we've got we've got list a mile long of, of guys that got solid playing time last year, and then you look at the freshmen coming in. You got George Jackson, a six four, three hundred twenty five pounder from Stone Mountain, Georgia. You have a redshirt junior ULM transfer and TJ Fiola. David Hudson is another name that's been with the program for a couple of years now, who can really contribute. Landon Burton, right here in Lafayette from St. Thomas More. So I mean, like I said, the the list is a mile long of guys that can get plugged in into this offensive line and protect Levi as, as well as they can. It's, it's good to have the, uh, the big uglies. Uh, it's good to have them on, on both, on both sides of the ball. Uh, when Texas is good, it's usually because we have a good line. We're hoping we get back there. So we understand the, the continuity at offensive line is, uh, we're, we're much better than we were a couple years ago. We enjoy having, it. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. Big uglies, can play on both sides of the ball, though. Uh, what about – tell us a little bit about the uh, that Louisiana defense. Very efficient a year ago. I think gave up 
under two points per drive, 1.89 points per drive, and and just over five yards per play, number 19 in the country. So a, a good unit. Um, it, w- what should we be watching? Is it is it the big men up front? Is it a secondary-led linebacker? Or is it the whole defensive unit? What was the key to the success a year ago, and what should we expect uh, in this matchup? Oh, I mean, it's the whole, it's the whole defense. Um, you know, you start with Taylor Humphrey at nose tackle. He's a uh, FAU transfer, 6'5", 333 pounds. Didn't really get a whole lot on the stat sheet last year, but, I mean, nose tackles rarely do. But, you know, the nose tackle's job is to just disrupt the entire play, and he did that on numerous occasions last year. Andre Landry is another guy. Dalvin Hutchinson, um, Chauncey Manack on the D-end is huge for us. He has been for a couple years. We're happy to get him back. Linebackers, you know, Chris Moncrief. um, And then in the secondary, you've got guys like Braylon Trahan. Uh Yeah, you know, Cam Podesclo, Lorenzo McCaskill, Zion Hill, Chris Moncrief, Farad Gardner, the list goes on and on, you know, of, of guys that played big roles for us last year to come back for the 2021 season. I, I think this is another scenario where our defense is going to be just as good as it was last year or better. I mean, since Texas has to play them first week, I'm not okay with better, but that's fine. I think 11, 11, 11 weeks out of the year, they can be better. I'm just joking. Uh so Kyle and I are both really big fans of the work that Coach Napier has done at Louisiana. And he's taken a program that was kind of on the cusp and really has, has kind of kicked them into the limelight. You guys pulled off a big upset um, early last year of, of Iowa State. And anytime we can, um, we love the folks over at Wide Right Natty Light. But it's always good to see um, you know that happen. <laughs> I'm always sure for the underdog regardless. But um, so how would you describe him as a coach, his coaching style? Because he's not really like the household name yet, but he's a guy who is probably a year or two from that spotlight. So, so our fans could say, "Oh, I knew him when." How would you describe like his coaching style, what he brings to the table, um, what what you what you fans like about what Coach Napier has done? I mean, you know, he's all he's all about identity. Uh, since, since day one, he has he has said that he wants to come in and create an identity for this football program, for this university, for this city, and I think that's exactly what he's done. I remember his introductory press conference. He said that he was going to turn this program into Alabama 2.0. And that's and that's exactly what he's done. I mean, how how many Sunbelt programs do you know have a full time nutrition staff? Not many, you know. So it's, it's just yeah. one of those it's just one of those things where you know the money's been invested, the the things that he learned from Nick Saban and at, and, and at Arizona State, he brought to this program. And then on the field, I mean, the the way the way we play on the field, it seems like we're either going to win or we're going to get our ass kicked trying to win. <laughs> which i mean I, I love i love the aggressive mentality i love the you know leave everything you have on the field and that and that's exactly what he's done for the last four years and we've been nothing but successful uh i, I have no doubt in my mind that this is going to be his last year at louisiana and, and i yeah, I, and- I hate i hate to say that but this is going to be his last year at louisiana I mean, I'm I'm glad you said it because sometimes it's it's tough when you when you're when you're covering a team. I mean, Gerald and I heard all the rumors this this off season, right? Anytime a job opens, Billy Napier's name is about, if not the first, yeah, the second guy mentioned. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you when when Auburn opened, and he he was in the mix to go to Auburn. I said, okay, we're done. Like Billy's mm-hmm. Billy's taking that. There's no way he's not. And then he he released a statement saying that he pulled his name out of that consideration. And, and that was big for us. And then, 
you know, Tom Herman, Texas opened up. And I said, there's, there's no way Texas doesn't offer him. And then nothing happened there. So, you know, it, we, we kind of got lucky this year. Uh, that's a total of three SEC jobs that he has, he has turned down to state Louisiana, uh, which is a huge compliment to, to us and, and our community and what, and what we do here. But uh, yeah, barring, you know, some kind of insane event, this is, this is his last year at Louisiana. Well, and yeah, I mean, they, they, so he's going to want to go out on top, right? He's, he's, I understand there's going to be a fire in him, in him this year. And we, we love, you know, we love the stats. We love to go deep in the box score. We love, uh, you know, we, we love to, to, to really break down a, a team, to break down the offense, to break down the defense. But Gerald and I are storytellers, man. Sports is best when, when you're, you're looking at a story. I think Billy Napier having, having something to, you know, to prove if this is, in fact, his last season there is a great storyline. Are there any specific storylines that, that you, you know, you and, and, and the fans of Raising Cajun Nation are, are thinking about watching? This is, you know, coming into this year that Longhorn fans, you know, can plug into and, uh, and just be aware of here. What are you watching this year? If I've got one, keep an eye on Kyron Lacey. Kyron Lacey's a sophomore wide receiver from Thibodeau, Louisiana. And last season, he played in all 11 games, had 28 catches for 364 yards and four touchdowns. Um, and, you know, he's just a guy. He's he's big and bulky, 6'3", 212 pounds. He's quick. Uh, he, he can really elude corners and has a quick first step against corners. And I just – I think that this year, a year under his belt, a year playing, you know, significant minutes in the – and the offense, I think this is going to be his coming out party. And uh, unfortunately for you guys, it's, it's going to start September 4th in Austin. If he if he can get his, nobody else can get theirs. But if he gets his and nobody else gets <laughs> theirs, that's totally fine. And I'm completely okay. So we're, we're – we're going to move on from the football stuff and we're going to, we're going to talk about the, the fun stuff. This is really why people uh, come to our podcast. Kyle and I really just like to keep it fun. So um, we've got a rapid fire round. Kyle came up with a terrible name last year that we're not going to use again, uh, but we haven't nope. come up with one yet. So uh, we're just going to call it the lightning round or shoot from the hip. Let's go shoot from the hip. That feels, nope. that, that feels on brand. It feels good, right? That okay, was spontaneous so- too. You, you, you shot that from the hip, Gerald. You just came up with this live on air off the dome. So, uh, Kyle and I are both fans of food, and, and Louisiana is easily one of, if not the best, eating state in the country. Let's just go ahead and put that out there right now. <laughs> Kyle and I are from barbecue state, but Louisiana has just we, we have it all, special. man. I would I would argue right here on this very podcast that, and all the other states can hate us. That you could put it whichever one you're from, you can put one and two. But I would argue that Texas and Louisiana are the two best food states in the continental United States. And hundred percent agree with that. 100%. Come at me, California, Florida. Don't even try it. Come on. It's 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 us. So the first question I want to ask is about about boils, right? Or bowl, balls, however you want to call it, right? Whatever you want to <laughs> say it. But let's you're going to it and they, they dump they dump the, the food out on the on the table because that's how you do it, right? That's the only way to do it. Get your hands in there. What's the, you're you're reaching in for your first item, and what's the first thing, Matt, you grab from the pile? Oh, God. What's the first thing you grab at a crawfish boil? Well, besides a beer. <laughs> nice. I'm probably going for a good old onion. Okay. You, you oh. let you let that you let that you let the onion a cut up onion soak in that boil gets a little spicy. There, there's nothing better, man. Wow. There's nothing better. I feel like 
You could have given me five guesses of what you would have guessed, and I would not have gone on. You heard it here fo- first, folks. That's a- <laughs> that's amazing. There, there's nothing better than an onion and a crawfish boil. Oh my gosh, I I feel I feel learned now. I have uh, next time next next boil. You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna show some people up. Absolutely, I go potato for the same reason. Soaks it up, but it sounds like the onion is really the po- potato is one of the next choices for sure. But uh, all right. Yeah. You, you eat the onion so and then you go it. straight for the crawfish. Yeah, I, I could see that. I'm like I said, I will try this out very in, in short order. Maybe uh, what time is? It? Yeah, we'll get it tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> let's keep it in the in the uh, in the food related world. One of my uh, dream meals, and and I feel like I have to do it before it ends. I, I hope you are aware of this, and I need need to know the details. Have you ever been to the world's last remaining Popeyes? buffet which resides in lafayette louisiana is the pope catholic <laughs> <laughs> of course i've been to the popeye's buffet and i'm gonna tell you <sighs> now the city of lafayette can hate me it is overrated oh no overrated wow we're not a hot takes podcast and you just brought one Unless unless you are a humongous fan of all the sides, Mm. it's overrated. Okay, interesting. All right. right. So if you go for the chicken, it's not. It's not the. It's not the spot. Just just go through the drive-through, order your meal, and go home. (laughs) No doubt. But if if you if you want to load up on mashed potatoes and red beans and rice, well then yeah. I mean obviously the buffet's for you, but they they let the chicken sit there forever and the chicken starts to taste Uh, bad. Yeah, it's overrated. It's overrated. Fair. So if you get it right, if you get it right out, right out of the right out of the grease, you're good to go. If you're if you're a professional and, and you learn what times they cook the chicken, then yeah, I mean it's fine. But <laughs> otherwise, yeah, I would I would just go through the drive-through, order your order your little six piece, and go home. Okay, fair. I'm I'm with it. Okay, so we're, we're keeping it food related because that's that's what what you talk about, right? So you you have to pick one, right? There there the list of like emblematic New Orleans foods is, is as long as my arm. But right. if you have to pick one, like you, you have to, you're gonna eat one for the rest of your life but not the other one. Gumbo jambalaya. Which one are you picking? Gumbo. Gumbo. Okay. Unpack it for me. Easy. Why? Because there's just it, gumbo is gumbo is basically a jambalaya in a Okay. And it's a and it's a Cajun seasoned soup. It's basically the best way I can I can layman's terms explain what gumbo is <laughs> so yeah like, like i said you know chicken sausage or you can do seafood a lot of people around here will do crawfish tails crab meat and shrimp with the rice i mean it's just if, if you if you never had a louisiana bowl of gumbo you, you need to change that real quick i, I i'm i am regretting uh, the most in my life of not it's like going to the grocery store hungry not eating before we're recording this podcast i'm just salivating at all this all this food i'll tell you what I, I know a guy that makes his own gumbo mix i'll send you guys some Ooh, matt you might just be our our favorite guest we've ever had on this very podcast i i am a i am a a i'm from texas in every way i got married in, in new orleans and uh and and um my wife and i go at least Two or three years we drive because we like to stop, you know, roadside, pick up the good stuff on, on I-10. Um, Wait, where, where do you stop? Where do you stop? Let's talk about this. Well, so it, it depends. So so my uh, my my in-laws are fans. If they're with us, they they like uh, 
in 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 Scott. Um, they Billy's it, it Billy's Billy's. Yeah. Get, oh man, get the cracklings, the pepper jack boudin balls. Oh man, dude, you're making yep. me hungry. Uh, you know, I think I like best stop. Um, I I I like stop there. That that's another legendary. Uh, anything I'm missing? I need to add to the 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 repertoire. Have you ever stopped for a Daryl's pull boy? Oh, so yes, yes. Yes, uh, I did my bachelor party in New Orleans, and and again we stopped at, at Daryl's and Lake Charles. That I almost can't drive through and and not stop. Yeah, I Daryl's the Daryl's special with jalapeno <sighs> mayo. That's the only yeah. good thing to come out of Lake Charles because I hate McNeese. That's the only good thing to come out of Lake Charles. <laughs> I, I guess we're headed to Lake Charles or headed to Lafayette. I'm not sure which one we're going to. <laughs> Hell, man, do do both. But I ain't finished yet. <laughs> as uh, as as only Gerald and in uh, the most city Don himself can say. All right, so um, I need to I need to I need to kick it off of food here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do it in the best way that I know how how to kick yourself off of nasty food habits. I'm gonna speak of two of of what I believe Google tells me are the most famous alumnus alumni of of your fair university, and you tell me if you could only pick one to to, to keep forever, who would they be? And one I said I would kick it off food, of course, is the famed. Richard Simmons, the other being Frank Ocean. If you could only claim one alum of, <laughs> of, of Raging Cajun Nation, you can't pick two more disparate people, Frank Ocean or Richard Simmons. Have you have you seen that TikTok where, you know, they're, they're going to look behind the door and they ask, is there a different door? <laughs> is, is there is there a third option? <laughs> Jake to home. Okay, you got can, it. Can I can I take can I take Jake the Snake, please? <laughs> or Brandon Stokely or God Ike Taylor. And you know, it's funny, I bring up Ike Taylor, but yet for the longest time, and I don't know if you if you guys are Steelers fans or watch the Steelers extensively when Ike Taylor played, but you know, like on Sunday night football when they're doing the opening lineup and they say where they're where they went to school mm-hmm. for his entire career. Ike Taylor never once said the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. He said swag you. (laughs) Swag you. That's what he said for years and years. And nobody ever understood why. But like the last two years or so, we've kind of mend that fence with him. Um, And so now now he claims that he went to the University of Louisiana. But and no, you know who I you know how I would take? I would take Charleston. I don't ever notice this. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but every time Charles Tillman is on sports television, he is wearing something Raging Cajuns. Whether it be a t-shirt, a hat, he's got a flag in the background, something UL. Love the hell out of it. I mean, you may his name is Peanut. He's he's got some he's got some Louisiana in him. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Awesome. Well, Matt, we appreciate you joining us and talking food and giving us road trip recommendations to uh if you're heading out to uh lafayette but but matt if people want more of what you've got whether it's food takes or football takes man where can they find you on the internet you can find me on social media at miguez matt and you can find my ul podcast rage and review at rage and review now guys before i go i want to let y'all know this game against texas on september the 4th is arguably the biggest game in our school's history and to make it even we, we said that we said that last year against Iowa State, but this one, this one, no doubt, no doubt tops it. Um, and, and the fact that we're playing at three thirty on Fox, prime time for the Big Twelve, man, I am so excited 
unfortunately, I will not be there. <sighs> it is for a hell of a reason. It is my engagement party. Hey. So it, it's for it's for a good reason, but I will be there in spirit, and hopefully we can send y'all home crying. Well, con- congrats on the engagement. <laughs> I will say this. I uh, I take it. The friendly banter is exactly what we're looking for. Um, I hope it's a very close game that you, you, you win a lot of respect and hearts and loved ones when you only lose by a field goal. But um, what I what I say, <laughs> what I say is what I say is uh, Gerald and I not to spoil any of our upcoming previews, but we've looked at it. And this is a home game for UT for the folks who are listening. This is probably the best home game on UT's schedule. Of course, we play OU every year on a neutral site. Um, but this is probably the best home game on UT's schedule, and it's the very first one. So uh, new coach Steve Sarkeesian will have his uh, will have his his work cut out for him, and, and playing Billy Napier will be, again, just about, if not the best, the second best coach he plays all year. So it's uh, it'll be a battle of some bright minds, bright offensive minds. Uh, it should be a whole lot of fun. fun. Yeah, no question about it. Awesome. So Matt Miguez of Underdog Dynasty and Raging Review. You can find him on Twitter at M-I-G-U-E-Z-M-A-T-T. Matt, thank you again so much for taking some time out uh, to help us preview the Raging Cajuns. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. Go Cajuns. So now it's the part of the show where we whip around the rest of the campus and we bring you an update on all the stuff that we didn't get to talk to already and we down the 40s. So Texas grabbed another running back out of the transfer portal, a guy that the coaching staff is familiar with, a former Alabama running back, Keelan Robinson, committed to Texas after opting out of the 2020 season. In 2019, he put up 254 yards and two scores as a true freshman. Uh, He was listed as both a running back and a wide receiver, Um, and he's a guy who could play multiple spots for Texas. And um, Sark seems to be committed to dialed in on laser focused on getting fast guys at the skill position. I believe there's a now trademarked. I hope we don't have to pay to say this, but a phrase that, that has something to do with that about a good amount of gas and not so much breaks or something like that. It makes sense. He's got an MO. I appreciate it. Um, Texas had a, a really good running back room already, right? We know that. We know what Bijan is. We know how much and how beloved Roshan Johnson is. We we love the idea of what Gabe Brooks, you know, could, could be or Gabe Watson, uh, excuse me, could be. Um, and and um, you know, you're adding a player who fits somewhere in there and and is going to add something that none of those really had, and that's just truly four three breakaway Jamal Charles kind of electric. You you give him a you know an inch in the outside and a waggle and a step, and he's gone. Um, and and he could you know do it in kick returning. Uh, he could do it in some matchups against Big Twelve linebackers if they can isolate him. Think to like a Ramon's Taylor, just move him around type of role. Could be you know lined up in the back. We we don't know. We haven't seen a ton from him. Uh, and on Alabama yet, obviously high school. T- um, he kind of actually he was I think two spots uh, in the rankings uh, behind Darian Brown so kind of a, an interesting full circle is obviously his career unfortunately and tragically didn't get to happen on the 40 acres they they filled that spot in the class you know on the on the long way around um, and because he opted out last year uh, he he's you know doesn't have as much uh, tread on the tires for a kid who's got three years of eligibility a lot left to give um, I think and I, and I think it, it's a good pickup and 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 the, the most I think, I appreciate that Cristo Conti has this athletics program functioning 
like a whole where they're taking the best ideas from across, right? You have a national championship women's tennis team. Pick their brain a little bit. You know, you have uh, all these good programs on campus and and he's getting these coaches talking clearly because Steve Sarkeesian took the, um, the obvious, uh, you know, MO, the obvious principle where we we've long referred to it on this podcast as the Tarati principle. What's the only thing better than one Tarati. And that's of course two Taratis. So, all right, you got a good running back. You got a good Robinson. What's the only thing better than one good Robinson? We'll add another Robinson, of course. And now we have uh, Keelan joining Bijan, and and they both have a nice little N kind of syllable sounding uh, name, and then a Robinson on there. So I I see some T-shirts being printed with these two, and we have two thousand yard rushers. Is what I'm saying. Now the only the only pushback I'll say to the the double Tarati axiom that you just presented is that Texas won a national championship after dropping a Tarati. So maybe just maybe there's a flaw in the Tarati timeline, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that at another date. The Texas team didn't just get better in the backfield. They got better at the specialists as well. And 2022 five-star long snapper. And I love this name, Lance St. Louis, mm-hmm. or is it Lance St. Louis? I'm going to call him Lance St. Louis until somebody <laughs> corrects us. Uh, committed to Texas uh, on Monday, which again, long snapper is not the one that's going to get the headlines. But long snapper is a position that can make or break your special teams unit. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I also my single favorite thing is uh, is the, the long snappers have their own ranking system. Um, you know, Coles ranks them, so you know he's not necessarily a, a five star on the other sites. But long snappers only care about the Coles ranking, and he's the number two long snapper in the country. I love that they went to Arizona to get a St. Louis. Um, I, I like getting, you know, uh, one of the two best long snappers in the, and they, these are like intense camps. If you haven't seen the, the kicking and long snapping camps, like it's a big deal. These kids, you know, like the, I, I know uh, a guy who's a, I think he's a sophomore high school sophomore, but is a, a Coles, uh, like top 15, uh, kicker. And they, they take these things very, very serious, but also I it, it made me think of uh, the go the great coach Finsock, the the Teen Wolf um, original basketball coach. He had three <laughs> he had wow. three rules that he lived by. Right, obviously number one, you never get less than twelve hours of sleep. Uh, number three actually was you never get involved with a woman with a tattoo of a dagger on her body. But the one that uh, that that made me uh, perk my head up and uh, and and this this will apply to all the the players on road trips who might be getting on a plane. Never play cards with a guy who has the same uh, name as a city. So uh, just just remember what Coach Finsock said. Uh, keep your money close and uh, and don't 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 play poker with with the new long snapper. So the basketball team also got better. Uh, former Texas Tech shooting guard Avery Benson made the smartest decision of his life, deciding to move from Lubbock to Austin, not just to join Coach Beard, but just because moving from Lubbock to Austin is a is a good decision for, um, you know, again, no no shade to Lubbock, but I love the city of Austin. Yeah, I mean, he, he we all love the city of Austin, but he also loves Coach Beard a lot. He's a guy, this is his third time committing to play for, for Coach Beard. He uh, he played for him, at, at, uh, got a scholarship from Coach Beard at uh, Arkansas Little Rock and then walked on uh, to play for him at Texas Tech. And he's kind of a culture guy. He's been with him for, for years, obviously will instill kind of the culture type of things that Beard wants to do that's brought him success. Um, and he also, he was weirdly a guy that Beard trusted to throw into late game situations, even though he's not a stat 
sheet guy, he would throw in in like crunch time. I, he just it's it's he, they obviously are simpatico in the brain. Now I don't know if that crunch time role will will tra- transfer over with the talent level that that have have also joined in the in the portal, but we'll see. But nonetheless, I think with all these new as Beard assembles a team with all these new pieces, new faces who don't necessarily know him, don't know his culture, um, that that to bring a guy who who you know is the embodiment of one of your guys. Think of of a Matt Coleman for Shaka, just the guy you you know who gets you and gets how you do things. Those are always good to have in the locker room to get the whole team on board. Sticking to the hardwood, uh, new Longhorn, one of the newest Longhorns, Devin Eskew is uh, heading to the USA Basketball Under-19 World Cup training camp. A big honor for him. There were a l- Keeping it in the realm of honors, there were a lot of players named to the all-something team this week. And so women's golf put four on the all-Big 12 team. Rowing put 36 of their 65 person roster on the academic all big 12 team janae jefferson was named a third team nfca that's the national fast pitch coaches association all american she becomes just the third texas player to earn the honor at least three times joining cat osterman and blair luna and three longhorns were named ita all americans uh, peyton stearns in singles and kylie collins and lulu sun in the doubles category some absolute favorites around there. Uh, huge, huge honor for our our girl, someone we have been just banging the drum for, and rightfully so. Janae Jefferson getting that uh, that that third time uh, All American, and again to do that as an outfield player backs up Cat uh, Osterman's assertion that there has never been a better uh, field player for Texas softball than Janae Jefferson. So uh, keep proving her right. Keep uh, keep keep proving Gerald and I correct to be such big fans and uh, same for all of uh, the women you just named that is a a list of some impressive impressive women who you know either won national championships end up all Americans all big 12 just did the dang thing put the university on them on their back and on the map and so now's the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics big Bertha and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz so Kyle What are you banging the drum on this week? So, Gerald, this week I'm banging the drum on an old friend. Um, Something we don't talk about so, so much on this, but we we, we will as we we get to play them in football. And and, and Arkansas playing Texas in football and playing Texas in sports is an an age-old tradition. It's, It's a rivalry that Texas doesn't take as seriously, but Arkansas takes incredibly seriously. And... I'm not the only one who's been thinking about should those teams play more often. In fact, David Ubbin, a guy who many of you might remember from his ESPN days, was the the Big Twelve writer at ESPN, um, put out a an, an opinion this week that that I think resonated a bit with me that Arkansas should go ahead and leave the SEC and join the Big Twelve. Now, when you think about Arkansas football, you might remember Darren McFadden and 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 Felix uh, Jones and um, you know some some really really good uh, teams. That's 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 a long time ago. That was like fifteen years ago. Arkansas football hadn't done a whole lot in the SEC as of late. They are basically the the furthest west besides you know, Texas A&M, um, before A&M joined the furthest West team of the SEC, they are the least of the cultural fit 
probably for the SEC, though they are rural and southern. There's just they they, they don't quite fit the mold of the deep south. Um, you know, they they seem to have a more spiritual connection to OU and Texas. Like I don't even know who Arkansas fans would tell you is their biggest SEC rival. I feel like they still list probably it's it's AM. They list teams from the old Southwest Conference because they were relevant. There was a time when UT beat them for a national championship. The president came in to watch the biggest game of the year. I think they called it the game of the century. This was this was a time when they were relevant. I feel like echoing Mr. Ubbin, if Arkansas come on home, you're still gonna lose a lot to UT. You're not gonna be better than OU. It's probably gonna be tough taking on Gundy and Oklahoma State. But you could slot in somewhere above the Kansases. Heck, you might even edge out West Virginia. Uh, and you're very good at baseball, though you've never won a national championship. You're very good at baseball, the number one team in the nation this year. That is Big 12 right now, the, the, the you know second best after the SEC baseball conference. Bring Arkansas over. Let's be the best. Uh, let's look at how SEC teams perform not particularly great in the in the tournament i'm looking at you florida uh again uh but you know uh, come come play an equally as good uh baseball team probably give you a chance for better basketball success as well i don't know if the days of corliss williamson are are coming back but um you know I, i just feel like it's it's a bit more your speed to be middle of the pack in the big 12 and then the the bottom uh, of the SEC, because as we all know, there is a 1% in the SEC. There's Alabama. And then there are some really bad teams. Missouri, uh, Arkansas, just some teams that aren't good. Get out of the bad there. Bump up above the bad Big 12 and be in the middle. You can be squarely in the middle. So come on home. We'd like to beat you more often. Arkansas, come on home. My ideal outcome for this would be for them to join the Big 12. Granted, this is like a hypothetical from an SEC writer that covers Tennessee, but that's neither here nor there. But if the like if this was in the perfect world, wave the magic wand and this happens, they join the Big 12 or whatever the conference is after the Big 12 goes and poaches a couple of Pac-12 teams, right? Um, and then Texas schedules them the day after Thanksgiving until the sun swallows the earth and football is no more <laughs> like just you know what you a&m took their ball and they went home to what they thought were greener pastures and i mean is it is it better to be a middling fish riding on the side of a great white shark or is it better to be a middling fish riding on the side of a big white great white shark like they did that in either conference so they basically just swapped out the jersey patches and got a few more dollars at the end of the year which that's really all these sports are about anyways but like again i would just love to see like that become the rivalry like oh they have because you need i feel like you need two rivalry games in a season and granted we grew up in an era where texas had ou and a&m so like having ou in arkansas every year and kind of a the october and then at the end of november would just be absolutely incredible and it would also be a great thumb in the eye of the texas a&m aggie so i'm banging the drum this week on the i'm beating the drum and also beating a little bit of a dead horse they the um one of the analytics guys over at 247 chris hummer put out his annual development metrics looking at teams that sign 
the top 247 talent based upon their composite. And then compared to the number of draft drafted players in the NFL draft and kind of coming up with a development score based upon that. And Texas, we have talked about this a lot, has not been great at that. Uh, they avoided the bottom of the list for the third year in a row. Um, and hopefully the numbers continue to trend up. We, based upon the look back, they got the 2010 and 2011 groups off of there, which woof, those did not turn out well at all. But um, 25 players in the 2012 to 2016 range. So that five-year look back period when the top 250, according to 24-7. So that right there is not a great number that I don't like to see. And of those 25, just 28% of them ended up being drafted into the NFL, which uh, put Texas again in, in the 25, um, 25 of the 27 ranked teams, which sucks, right? It's not great. And we want to see that change. And hopefully, you know, Sarkis said that they've got a They've got a staff that can both recruit and develop. And that's what, what Texas needs. But in the spirit of being petty today, Kyle, where do you think the Texas A&M Aggies ranked on that list? Well, I mean, I've seen them tweet stats out. They they clearly are probably, I don't know, two, three, let's say obviously top five. I've seen the the, the way that, that Aggie fans tweet. They they highlight very objectively, you know, stats that, that prove that they're they're the best. They definitely always like to point to the fact that Texas doesn't develop their players. But in true Aggie fashion, they ended up on this list one spot behind the University of Texas. <laughs> Texas was 25, they were 26. So anytime that your Aggie friends decide to say, why would somebody go to Texas? Texas didn't develop their talent. Point at this. You got some numbers. You got some receipts. A&M continues to be, regardless of where they land, one step behind the University of Texas. The worst that we've ever been in the worst decade of our history and maybe the best in theirs. Uh, in that moment, when you could objectively say Texas wasn't great, in every way you could possibly measure or imagine, we're still better than AM. And we, that's all we've got for you today. We will have a Thursday show. So moving forward between now and through the end of football season, we will bring you not one, but two shows every week. The format moving forward will be uh, one show kind of recapping what's going on with Texas. And then one show previewing the next opponent on the Texas roster. This week we switched it a little bit because, well, our good friend, friend of the show, just a friend of ours, Mike Roach, decided to, to come on and bless us for a little bit. And we ended up talking to Mike for like an hour. So that'll just be our Thursday show. And then we will obviously have today our University of Louisiana preview. So next week. We will bring you whatever comes out of the Super Regional. We'll also bring you kind of our perspective, previewing Texas positionally, and then we'll have our Thursday preview, previewing that pre that early season matchup with the Arkansas Razorbacks. But between then and now, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can at Longhorn Pod. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Longhorn Republic. Kyle, where can they find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at G. H. Goodrich. Thank you so much for tuning in again for this Tuesday show. We'll see you back here on Thursday. Same podcast feed. We love you. We'll see you then. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Woo pig sucky. <laughs>